The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Ryan Gapinski and the 5-Minute Frenzy podcast and are not intended to supersede local protocol or medical direction. Hey guys, and welcome to another 5-Minute Frenzy with Ryan Gapinski. Today, we will be concluding our Introduction to Invasive Ventilation series, and we will be focusing on the use of arterial blood gases to optimize mechanical ventilation. The visual displays on mechanical ventilators can vary from manufacturer to manufacturer, and even from model to model, but you should easily be able to locate the four parameters that we're going to talk about today somewhere on the screen. The settings we're going to discuss are frequency, or rate, tidal volume, percent of oxygen, or FiO2, and PEEP. There are really only two reasons to make a change to ventilator parameters in the emergent setting. Either the patient is not oxygenating, or the patient is not ventilating. And there are specific settings that deal with each of those two conditions. First, we'll talk about oxygenation. If your patient is hypoxemic, as evidenced by either a decreased pulse oximetry or a PaO2 of less than 80, The two ventilator parameters that can be manipulated to correct this issue are FiO2 and PEEP. Henry's law states that as we increase the concentration of a gas above a liquid, the amount of that gas that is dissolved in the liquid increases. Simply put, that means that if I want to increase the amount of oxygen in the blood, I need to put more oxygen in the lungs. In the emergent setting, we typically start patients off at 100% oxygen and then wean them if and when appropriate. If you have a patient who is hypoxemic and find that they are not on an FiO2 of 1.0, this should typically be the first change that you make. The second approach to mitigate hypoxemia is to add additional positive end expiratory pressure. It makes sense that if we're able to recruit additional alveoli, and even more so that if we're able to prevent atelectasis, that we will be able to increase oxygenation. If there are more oxygen-filled alveolar sac coming in contact with the pulmonary capillary beds, then it stands to reason that there will be more real estate available for gas exchange. Remember, though, as I've mentioned before, PEEP is not entirely benign, as it can lead to decreased systemic return as well as possible pulmonary barotrauma. The second situation we will look at is hypo or hypercapnia. This value can also be assessed both invasive and non-invasively through either a quantitative end tidal carbon dioxide detection device or the PaCO2 value on an arterial blood gas. Derangements involving carbon dioxide are mitigated by adjusting minute volume, and much like before, this can be done in one of two ways. Remember that minute volume is the product of respiratory rate and tidal volume. As such, the first parameter that affects minute volume is the frequency or rate of respiration. In an adult patient, this tends to provide the most change with the smallest amount of effort. For example, I have a patient with the following vent settings. Rate of 12, tidal volume of 500. If I change the rate on this patient to 14, I will have increased the minute volume by 1 liter. I would have had to increase his tidal volume by more than 80 milliliters to affect the same change. As I've just mentioned, tidal volume is the other parameter that can be manipulated to account for minute volume. Tidal volume should be set based on ideal body weight, not actual body weight, and should typically range between 4 and 8 milliliters per kilogram, depending on patient age and disease process. 
We need to be careful when adjusting tidal volume, especially when increasing it, as this can lead to ventilator-associated lung injuries. Keep in mind that these are not either-or settings. Sometimes, in order to dial in the best minute volume for the patient, you will need to make changes to both of these parameters simultaneously. An easy formula to get you into the ballpark of where you need to be, as far as minute volume is concerned, is to take your current PaCO2 and multiply that by your current minute volume. Divide that answer by 40, and this will provide you with an approximate minute volume to shoot for. The reason 40 is used in this equation is that 40 is the normal mean PaCO2. You can substitute any desired PaCO2 in place of this number. For example, you may choose 35 or 37 in a patient with an increased intracranial pressure. Let's look at the use of this formula in a real-life scenario. We have a patient who's being ventilated at 10 times a minute with a tidal volume of 350. That gives us a minute volume of 3.5 liters. After being on the ventilator for 20 minutes, an arterial blood gas is drawn. The PaCO2 value returns as 52. The desired PaCO2 for this patient is 40 millimeters of mercury. When we plug the numbers into our formula, we get 52 times 3.5, that's 182. Divide that by 40, that gives us 4.55, indicating that we need to increase our minute volume by one liter. Ventilator changes for this patient might go something like this. Increase the rate from 10 to 12, and increase the tidal volume from 350 to 375. This will give us a new minute volume of 4.5 liters and should correct the patient's hypercapnia. Guys, this completes the introduction to invasive ventilation series. For most people, this is a concept that takes months to understand and years to master. So it is very difficult to decide what information to include in a five-minute podcast. For that reason, I've included a couple of links in the show notes to some excellent mechanical ventilation training material. Also, be on the lookout for my intermediate invasive ventilation series coming soon. In the meantime, feel free to drop me a line on Twitter at RyanGapinski2, where, as always, I look forward to your questions, comments, concerns, and complaints. Mm-hmm.